My mama told me something when I was growing up that has forever changed my life. She played the piano at our little church at 3rd and Pine Street for 37 years. She tried to teach me to play the piano, <laughs> but I wasn't very good. She would teach me the names of the notes, what a major key is, what a minor key is. She tried to teach me musical theory, but I was just bored. Then, one day, she told me that the best news in the world is found by playing a simple scale on the piano. I had no idea what she meant, so she told me to play an eight-note scale. So I did. I said, how is that good news? And she said, I played it incorrectly and that I needed to play it the other way. So I did. Again, I said, how is that good news? And she said, I played it the right way, but I needed to add the pauses. The pauses, she said, the pauses, add them on the first, second, fourth, sixth, seventh, and last note. Now, I was frustrated and said, how can eight notes with random pauses be the best news in the world? Then I got up, walked away, and went outside. Frankly, I didn't care what she was talking about. I didn't like playing the piano anyway. Well, years later, my mama got sick and passed away. As I was thinking about her, I remembered what she told me about the piano. Not only that, I still remember the notes she told me to pause. The first, second, fourth, sixth, seventh, and last note. So I sat down at her piano and played the scale with the pauses. she was talking about.
pray together. Our Father in heaven, if not for Christmas, we wouldn't be standing here right now. If not for Jesus, we would be hopeless. Thank you for the gift of Jesus. Thank you for eternal life. And thank you for this great home in which we can celebrate you all the time. In Jesus' name, amen. Have a seat. Welcome home, Southfield. Go ahead. Yes. Finally, 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 finally. We've waited a little for this, haven't we? And it is good to finally be able to celebrate with you. Please, nobody call the fire marshal. I think the number is a little smaller than what's in here right now. But we're glad you came. We're glad you found parking, or at least parked somewhere within a mile. It's good to have you here tonight. We're going to celebrate the birth of Jesus tonight through a variety of means, songs, and media. But there's, there's something I wanted to do tonight uh, that I can do in this service and not in the next. There's a family here tonight that truly truly made this all possible for us. Dale Reiser brought his family here tonight, the family of uh, PBS, Professional Building Services, and if not for them, honestly, we wouldn't be sitting here right now. We are so grateful for everything they did for us, and I can't tell you all they did for us, but there's something that, that I need to say, especially to you, Brian, to, your, to, to you, Dale, and to your wife, and that is you raised an amazing kid. You raised an amazing kid. Brian did a fantastic job every step of this. And Brian, I hope tonight, instead of seeing workmen in here, you're seeing this and you're just really loving and very proud, very proud of the work you did. We are grateful to all of you for what you've done for us. Thank you so very much, really. I'm also grateful tonight that uh, kids mom and, Kim's mom and dad were able to get up here from Springfield. That was a huge, huge thing. A little worried about the snow. We have her brother from Ohio, sister up from Springfield as well. So thank you so much for being here. It means so much, more than, more than you can know. Thank you. So I'm going to go sit down. We're going to sing. Let's sing. Stand up, why don't you?
In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria. Everyone went to their own town to register. So Joseph went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloth and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths lying in a manger. Suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened which the Lord has told us about. 
So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, the spread of the word concerning what had been told them about this child, and all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured, treasured all up all of these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. On the eighth day, he was named Jesus. This baby boy who's come to earth to bring us joy And I just want to sing this song to you It goes like this, the fourth, the fifth The minor fall and the major lift With every breath I'm singing hallelujah They searched the inn to find a place for you were coming soon. There was no room for them to stay, so in a manger filled with hay, God's only son was born. left their flocks by night to see this baby wrapped in light a host of angels led them all to you it was just as the angels said you'll find him in a manger bed Emmanuel and shone bright up in the east to Bethlehem the wise men three came many miles and journeyed long for you and to the place in which you were the frankincense and golden myrrh they gave to you and cried
Was he just a man or something more? That, that simple question that turned into a statement is really the reason we're here. It's the reason we exist. Jesus was a man. Never doubt that. Jesus was a man. The Bible tells us this in John chapter 1. Tells us that the word became flesh. I love the writer of the Gospel of John. He, he's, he's very creative. Here's a guy who didn't have schooling, but he was creative in his use of words. And he used the word, word, that term, in order to describe Jesus. This was God's way of communicating with us, letting us know who he was, what he was like. The Bible says that Jesus was undoubtedly a man. But we also believe this. We believe that Jesus was far more than a man. He was not just a man. In fact, the Bible goes on to tell us that it was in the beginning that the Word already existed, already there. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. Jesus is the one person of whom it can be said he was 100% God and 100% man. Not even a 50-50 split. He was complete divinity and complete humanity. We're going to read, we're going to sing some words in a few moments. Divinity in man confined. Jesus came as God to live in a human body. The seed of divinity was planted in human clay, and the result was God and man in one person living on this earth. I'm a Christian. I've learned a lot about God through a lot of sources, but there are two primary ways that I've learned about God. One is through the Bible. Again, the Word, this time the written Word, lets us know who God is. It gives us His instruction, tells us how we're supposed to live, tells us why we exist. It lets us know why we're here. So I've learned a lot through the Bible. I've also learned a lot through being a parent. I can't believe how much I've learned about who God is and how He works in the world through being a parent. I'm a parent of, of three kids, and my kids have taught me a lot about God. They've taught me a lot about how I interact with my father. Uh, here's a picture I wanted to share with you tonight of Brian and Shelly. <laughs> Brian and Shelly doing their best to learn to share. And we, you know, we taught that lesson. They did it. Look at those faces. I mean, she, she still makes that face, still. And he, look at him. You are not getting this fuss. And he's kind of enjoying it. But the part that kicks me about this one, I always look at this and wonder, where's the mom? She's taking a picture. She's not breaking up the war. She's going, oh, this is cute. We've got to save this. Maybe we can use this someday. You know, we've, we've been talking about all things new. This one should be some things never change. Brian and Shelly going at it and having fun. Here's what I've learned through being a parent of three kids and standing in a hospital room. When that baby is born, it's completely vulnerable and completely dependent, 100%. I mean, if you leave that baby alone, if you don't touch that baby, that baby is not going to make it. It's not going to survive. So God becomes a human being, and he doesn't become a human being as a 30-year-old man walking out of, out of the desert into the town and saying, here I am. Nor does he enter the world as a, as a teenager who can kind of defend himself. There he is, and he's born this absolutely brand new infant baby. And not in a wonderful hospital where all the medical care is available, but in a barn placed in a stable of all places. It's unbelievable. Put in the hands of a woman who's not yet even married, and she's a teenager. And God says to Mary, Take care of my son. What I learned through this, and it's kind of a weird way to say it, God was completely vulnerable. He was completely vulnerable. There he was in the arms of a teenage girl, completely vulnerable, and it teaches us something. It teaches us how we're supposed to relate to God, that we are to be vulnerable and truthful about who we are. You see, most of us, when we look at ourselves, we think of ourselves as pretty good, don't we? I mean, overall, no bodies buried in the basement. We're doing okay. We're, we're pretty good. But the Bible exposes the real us. The Bible says every one of us is dead in our sins. That's the state in which we exist. We're helpless like a little baby. 
and we can't take care of this on our, on our own. Somebody has to help us. We can't do anything to fix ourselves. We need help. We recognize that as a church. Uh, part of what I love about us as a church, we know we're a mess. We, we don't walk around pretending we've got our act together. We know we're a mess. There's a subtle message that you're going to find throughout the building as you walk and, and get to know this place. Kind of a, a theme. Much of what you see in the decorating around the building was made from something that was broken. Something that was worthless. Something that someone else wanted to throw away. Uh, you notice all over the place there are pallets and, and the wood from pallets. I mean, you're just going to find it all over the place as you look through this place. There, there's also furniture, furniture that others were just going to toss. It was time to get rid of it. At some point, it was valuable. At some point, it served a purpose, but that value had now diminished. And it come to the point that another person said, it's junk, it's worthless, it's trashable. I don't need it anymore. But we have these people around here. They're artists and they're visionaries. And they're able to look at someone else's junk and say, there's some beauty in there. And I'm going to make something beautiful out of this junk. So we had people, this was kind of fun. Hours, this picture was taken on October 30th. And we've been sanding and sanding and sanding and sanding pallets, just getting them ready for putting them together this past week. If you come up after and look at the front of the, the front of the stage, there's pallet wood all along the front. That beautiful cross out in the out in the foyer. You see, once again, the pallet wood is is the backdrop. Everywhere you look, even the cross itself is not something uh, that is beautiful in the sense of being expensive. It was a log laying in a woods that someone looked at, an artist looked at and said, that is a beautiful piece of wood. We can make that into a beautiful piece of art. Throughout the building, you'll see this theme time and time again of things that could have been thrown away, things that to someone else may have been worthless, but beauty came from it. Artists are people of vision. They see art when we see junk. Now, I'll admit to you, I'm a tad artsy. I'm not real artsy, but I'm a tad artsy. So, so when we're sanding this pallet wood, I'm like, oh, I can see this. This is going to look cool. This is going to be great. And then Pete Buck called me and said, I've got some old fencing. Let's see what we can do with that. And they bring in this old fencing, and, and I start sanding the old fencing. I admit to you, I don't always say everything in my head. Be thankful. So I'm, I'm sanding, I'm sanding this piece of wood and I'm going, I am wasting my time. Sanding and sanding and sanding. And I know this is just going to go in the trash. Because I don't know if you've ever pulled down old fencing before, but typically it's broken, it's warped. It is not good wood. It's junk. And I, I, but I went with it. Dana's, you know, she knows her stuff. So I'm like, all right, let's, let's, see what, let's see what can come of that. And the thing that was amazing to me, as I wandered around the last couple of days and saw things coming together, some of the most beautiful things in the building are made from what I viewed to be garbage fencing that I would have put in a dumpster. Something as simple as a coat rack that you look at and go, that is just beautiful. Or I, I walked over to the kids' signs and I'm like, I was stunned. And I looked a little closer, looked past the letters, and I'm like, it's that junky wood. I can't believe it. It looks fantastic. Or even if you just come over to the steps, to the side of the stage, rather than using the pallet wood there, they used that fencing again. And there was incredible beauty in it. And you know what? That's the way God works. That's the way God works. He takes the worst possible junk. The thing anyone else would throw away. Maybe you're even at the point that you think your life is junk. It's worthless. God will take anything and everything and make it into something absolutely beautiful you know i told you about those old chairs those old oak chairs this one kills me i'm not kidding every time i see it i want to cry hopefully we'll make it right now these old oak chairs when i saw this thing i'm not kidding i immediately had a flashback all of a sudden my head is in a bedroom on foxdale drive in st louis it was a house without a basement, so houses without basements tend to have big closets, and that was Shelly's playroom. She used her closet for her playroom. And I can see this one-and-a-half-year-old toddling out with a doll under one arm, 
and a book in the other hand, and that big old, sorry, diaper butt, you know, and she just, she just kind of, boom, plops down in that chair. Something beautiful out of something that someone else said, trash, we're done with it. If you don't want it, we'll throw it in a dumpster. I'm telling you what, there are parts of your life that you look right now and you think it's too far gone. You don't know how much I've messed up my life. You don't know how much we've messed up our marriage. You don't know how bad things are right now. And I want to tell you, God wants to welcome you home. Not to a church. God wants to welcome you home to himself. This God who came to earth, who came as a baby, still lives, and he wants to welcome you to himself. The Bible tells us of ourselves, you, you may be looking at your life and thinking that your life is worthless. What the Bible tells us is that God showed great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. It's not when we got our act together that God said, okay, now I'll bring you into my family. It's when we were a total mess that God said, I can make something beautiful of that. When people think of Southfield, I hope as they look around and they see these different artistic pieces, they'll think a word. They'll think a word. And that word, that word that I hope will come to you all the time, is reclaimed. That God has reclaimed us. We reclaimed some wood. God reclaimed us. We were broken, shattered, and messed up, and God reclaimed us. We were worthless. We were dead in sin, and God reclaimed us. We didn't stand a chance, and God reclaimed us. Well, what we want to do tonight, and uh, it got a little more complicated because a couple more people came than we expected, we wanted to get you in on the decorating. Hey, you got these many people in a room? It's time to put them to work. So what we want to do is create a work of art, something that we'll be able to hang that will declare the message of reclaimed. And we want you to help us make that work of art with this right here, with your finger. We're going to call you to come to either side right up here. And there's a table there. And each side has half of the word reclaimed. We're going to ask you to take your finger and put it in a pad. And go ahead and place your finger on that word. And ultimately, all of us that were here tonight will be able to say, my fingerprint is up there. I was part of what was going on. Having said that, now I'm going, okay, so how do we coordinate this? It is quite possible that some of you will just say, you know what, little too, too much commotion for me. It's fine if you just go ahead and stay in your seat. If you're brave and gutsy, you want to come up and do this, go ahead. If um, maybe you want to send a family representative, go ahead and do that. And beyond that, it'll be up here afterward, and you'll get a chance to get in on it as well. So we're going to be singing a song while we do this work of art. And when the song is done, uh, we'll move on. There it is. We'll move on. But um, let me pray, and then we'll begin. Father in heaven, thank you that you reclaimed us, that you bought us. You bought us back. We thought we were nothing, and we were. But you saw something beautiful that you had made in the first place. Help us to remember that we are people who have been reclaimed by you. We love you, God. Thank you for giving us Jesus. Amen. Tore the night apart and ripped the silent skies to make your glory breaking through the dark. And here our worlds collide, divinity and men can find this great design drawn out for me.
Or just keep this going. Hope you don't mind. It would be like, you know, you've been waiting in line for soup and then somebody says, no soup for you. We're not doing that. So. <laughs> not doing that. We're just going to let them get their soup. So, And then for those of you that didn't get the chance to do this, what we'll, what we'll try to do 
if you're listening, is get the table. Well, I guess, should we leave them here or take them to the foyer? I see, I see heads shaking, but we'll just leave it here. Okay, so you can come afterward and, and get your fingerprint on there as well. So, reclaimed. That's what we are. Someone who didn't deserve anything. I love, I love the, the words of amazing grace. I'm sure you do too. Saved a wretch like me. That's me. That's all of us. And when we finally come to the point of realizing that, that that's who we are, instead of pretending that we're something better, that's when God can say, now you are ready. Now I can make something of that junk. Now I can make a work of art. You're finally there. So as you're leaving tonight, we, we have a memento for you, an ornament with, that we hope you will cherish. It's an ornament that is made from uh, one of the many trees that we had to cut down, these little scrub trees that were all over the property in order to uh, make our retention area over there. On the front it says, All Things New, because that's what it's all about, right? Not only Southfield tonight, but literally what God did for us, he's making all things new. And then on the back side, it has the word reclaimed. So you'll receive that as you're walking out the door. One person got a chance to get a sneak peek at these and, and wrote me a note. And, and about this particular ornament, they wrote, I particularly love the, re, the rough, reclaimed side. It reminds me how rough I am, yet God still loves me. Broken and coarse and in great need of refinement, and yet he claims me again and again. God loves me. That's the message we want you to take with you tonight. Uh, now, let me tell you, this whole reclaim thing, it's not just an automatic, it's not just a given, and it's not just something that you kind of work up in yourself and, hey, now everything's all good. Every one of us have to come to a point of recognizing that we're broken, that we're dead in our sins, and that we need God. We truly need God to make a difference in our lives through Jesus. And I want to put a, a prayer on the screen for you. I, let me say this about this prayer. There is no magic in a prayer. Okay? You, don't, you don't have to read certain words in order to make sure that you enter into a relationship with God. It comes down to this. It comes down to the admission that we're sinful and broken and that we can't fix ourselves and that we need a Savior. And I think the, the people who wrote this prayer just did a beautiful job expressing not only our brokenness, but the fact that it's only through dependence on Jesus that we can have a relationship with God. So we're going to have an instrumental piece playing here for just a few moments, and we'll leave that on the screen. And the best Christmas present you could give God tonight and the best Christmas present you could give yourself is to admit that you've sinned, you've done wrong things, and you are in need of reclaiming. And basically pray the content of this prayer. Not the exact words, but the ideas. Lord Jesus Christ, I admit that I am weaker and more sinful than I ever before believed. But through you, I am more loved and accepted than I ever dared to hope. I thank you for paying my debt, bearing my punishment, and offering forgiveness. I turn from my sins and trust you as Savior. So listen to this song. Pray those words if you need to. And then we're going to sing about all things. All things new.
Well, needless to say, you made our Christmas. Thanks so much for being here tonight. I hope that this has added to your celebration, the, the time you're going to spend with your family and your friends. And um, make sure you get your ornaments on the way out at the door. We think we made enough, but it's kind of a one-per-family thing. Okay, you got that? So go ahead and make sure you get your fingerprints in there. 
before we leave, I want to talk to God one more time together. Father in heaven, overwhelmed, grateful, all these words are just, they understate how much we love you, how much we appreciate everything you are for us. Through good and bad, you are God. You have always been our home, whether we've had a house or not. You have always been our home. And I'm grateful that you sent Jesus to give us eternal life, a fresh start, to reclaim us and make all things new. We love you. Thank you. Amen. Merry Christmas. Be careful leaving. Uh-huh.